All right, welcome to the Horse Racing Happy Hour, Maryland edition. Do <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Maryland, Maryland edition. <laughs> We're making uh, Horse Racing Happy Hour history here today, by the way, because both Louie and I are wearing a tie. How about that? Yeah, neither one of us had the top button buttoned. No. No. But we are wearing a tie, and uh, we're joined uh, with the specially special Pimlico uh, Road to the the Preakness shows by, of course, Dan Illman. Dan, how's it going? Rocking the Canterbury Park sweatshirt, which we love. Love it, and uh, Dan's just a fan of low takeout. That's what by, the shirt says. I, by the way, uh, how did Dan Illman take the news that Jim Beheim was retiring from Syracuse? Ah. Uh, it's about time, don't you think? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's about it's, like, just let, let's be honest though. What a terrible way to handle a situation. But are you surprised? I out. But boy, just you know, at least open the door. You don't have to give him the bums rush through the window. <laughs> Especially since it's one of his own guys, and frankly, one of his greatest guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. And then, uh, of course, we have John Piazek. John, how are you? You know, it's almost spring. It's light out past seven o'clock down here. There's five great stakes at, at at Law Park. I really could not be doing any better. However, that being said, a derby is getting closer and closer, and uh, a Maryland bred um, post time is not on 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 a derby trail. He's on the sidelines, and with every derby prep, um, it goes by, and every horse that drops off the trail, I feel like someone who had a lottery ticket in their pocket. Watched it drop into a sewer and then found out that it was going to be the winning ticket. <laughs> okay. So that's how I feel every day. All right. That was commentary on how great is Nate. We'll talk about him in, in the ninth race today. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds good. Oh, man. Well, I got to ask you um, uh, because we have two problems with this weekend, gentlemen. The name of the day, um, the pot of gold thing, I, I mm-hmm. reject. I reject. Are you not a Are you not a St. Patrick's Day? I'm fan? not. Well, I'm not. You're not, you're not a seasonal guy. I mean, with these cute. This is how marketing works, or so I've been told. It's like these cute oh, little tie-ins and things like that. I mean, yeah, I gotta get it. I, to be actually, fair, okay. Louis is is good for any tie-in to the Flemish. Okay, <laughs> it's just the Irish that he doesn't like. You throw some blobs in there. I'm all over it. That's right. If you called this like. I don't know, like spinach mashed potato day. Like that would be considerably better. Okay. But no, uh, the second part is, I mean, I thought we had a conversation, Maryland Jockey Club. I thought we talked. I thought we were better than this now to have this race as the finale of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought we talked about this. I thought we were over this. I thought we weren't doing this anymore. But that's what you're doing. The name of the races. Race day names. Bashing pot of gold day. We get that. You know, no, yeah. no gold at the end of that rainbow with that race. It, no, bad. I thought we we capped the last race last time because it was such a good, nice little starter optional. I'm trying to have a civilization, Mike. Eight thousand dollar claimer. We're living in a society. <laughs> the Ocho. Oh, Not just any kind of claimer. An eight thousand dollar claimer. It's get claimed or go become glue. One of the two. Oh. <laughs> it's one of the two things that's going to happen in that race. Okay. Um, so do we want to hop right into it or yeah, what? All right, let's go with the Conover stakes. Uh, seven furlongs on the dirt. This is the first of five stakes races on the card here at Laurel Park. Um, and we'll start with John here. John, 
tell us about all these great horses in the Laurel Park. You actually don't have to talk about all eight horses, just really ones, so the ones you like. Yeah. We yeah, well, it's a field of eight, all of them Maryland Dreads going seven furlongs, named after a great Maryland Dread mayor of, of the late 1940s. And when I first saw the entries, um, I was a bit surprised not to see um, Vetus Free in here, who is the now defending Maryland Dread Horse of the Year. Um, apparently... Um, she's getting a well-deserved break. Don't blame them at all. She has had a very busy uh, year plus. And I first thought when I, I, I didn't see her name in the entries was, oh, at least it'll be a more um, competitive race now that she's not in it. And then I look a little bit closer, and I was reminded that response time was in here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what? It's, it's still um, going to be a layup. Just uh, response time is going to beat them senseless instead of feed is free. Um, she's won three out of her last four, won pretty impressively two starts back despite drifting out in, in a pretty game effort. And in fact, I thought that race might inspire her people to uh, take a shot in the Barbara Fritchie. Didn't go there, won an open um, allowance even more impressively. Following Friday, earned a, a career best prisoner figure of 95. In fact, she's run at least a 91 in three of her last four starts. Everyone else in this field struggles to get there uh, even once. This race does wrap up late pick five. It's in middle pick four. I think you are better off singling and just moving on because she's going to be very tough. I'm not sure response time's an absolute layup in this race. I agree that she's the horse to beat, but you have a ward wanted coming in, turning back to seven furlongs, and she's run some really nice races against stakes competition. She's a proven stakes horse, while response time is now going to be stepping up after several nice allowance victories. So I still think there's some things for response time to prove she is the horse to beat. To me, the question is, and I'm interested in all of your thoughts, can street loot run anymore? If Street Loot can run, she probably is going to win this race because she has all the back class and she has all the figures and the numbers and the speed. Her last race, if you simply want to make an excuse and say, hey, it was her first start off a long layoff. She probably needed it. She gained a lot of fitness and she's going to take a big step forward. She might be the horse for you. On the other hand, if you think she's getting a little bit long in the tooth, I get that as well. Yeah, I've got her on top. I've got Street Sense or Street Loot, excuse me, Street Sense. Yes, of course I have Street Sense on top. I have Street Loot on top. Grew up in Detroit. He's got Street Sense. There it is. Uh, you know, he, look, second off the layoff, uh, five for 11 lifetime at Laurel Park, and then 18% in stakes races for the Rob Bond. So they know how to place their horses as well. And so, uh, yeah, I have six on top here. I do think you have to include the one and two or the one and three, excuse me, if you're making a longer ticket here. Um, but that's, she's the wild card here, especially. Um, you know, Perez, Rob go together. At 24% at um, at uh, Laurel as well in a massive sample size. So to me, that's absolutely a play here. So I would go six, three, and one. All right. So Dan, the jockey on response time is Barbosa, who was a finalist for Apprentice Jockey of the Year. Uh, so it's, this is a jockey that is going to be uh, just coming up on the on the major scene, right? I mean, tell us a little bit about what you see for Barbosa as a rider. He's phenomenal. And Maryland has always been a breeding ground for great young jockeys, whether you go all the way back to the Kent DeZormos and the Edgar Prados. And we've seen great young jockeys, and he might be, if he stays healthy, the next one, because it's every other day, it seems, three wins for Barbosa, four wins for Barbosa. And a lot of times, okay, when they're apprentice riders, they get hot. Trainers take advantage of the weight off. They win races. They lose the bug, and all of a sudden, they drop off the face of the earth. Not so with Barbosa. He's very aggressive out of the gate. He has good hands. I really think he's going to be a major, major factor all season long in Maryland. If he stays healthy, you're going to be hearing a lot more. He's just a young kid, so he's got a big future. 
All right. Worth noting too, he came here here last April, and without any acclamation, he became pretty much the top jockey in Maryland right out of the box. The first full meet he rode here was was the lower spring meet, and he won that title. As Dan alluded to the other day, he won five um, races on an eight race card. So he, as I said, has a very bright future ahead of, ahead of him. Man, that's just amazing to think that you kind of hit the scene, win the jockey title, because, you know, anybody who follows horse racing knows how hard it is to get the really good mounts when you're relatively unknown and you're at a new track. I mean, that's that's that just shows how good of a rider he really is. Um, okay, we're going to move on to the sixth race, which is the Not for Love Stakes, the six furlong on the dirt. Um, Louis, who do you like in this race? Oh, okay, I think there's two obvious speed horses in here between Eastern Bay, the five and the six. Al loves Josie, both of them. All the numbers make sense as far as the connections and all of that. Uh, Norm Cash shipping in for this one. He does. He has actually run a fair number of horses at Laurel um, this in the in the most recent meet here, and so he's up to, gosh, he's over sixty horses, over sixty starts. That's incredible. Um, so it feels like um, because he's got horses everywhere that you forget that there are places where he's really hunkered down in this kind of race. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but once in a while I look at the weights and the horse carrying the most weight to me. Once in a while, is just the horse to, to try to beat. And in this case, that is Eastern Bay carrying 126 pounds here because of all the conditions. Um, did finish fourth last time in the mud at Aqueduct. Comes back to Laurel where there are 13 lifetime wins on his um, <clears throat> excuse me on his card, and, and including uh, this year earlier in February. Al Loves Josie comes in here as well as a horse that's won 6 of 15 at Laurel, 4 of 9 at the distance. And so these two, for me, I think you can use them and feel pretty safe in this part of the sequence. All right, what do you say? What says you, John? I mean, it's hard not 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 to cheer for Eastern Bay. I mean, he just became a millionaire two starts back, won the General George in a very emotional win for everybody involved, as he was the highest earning uh, mount of the late Avery Wisman, who had who um who was honored that day. At, um, as Louis noted, he he loves Laurel, has a lot of, of experience on this track. Last time out, he didn't run badly in the town four. In fact, he earned one of his highest ever figures. I think it was it was a matter of him. Um, I'm kind of being outclassed now. I think he's in a little bit easier. That being said, I I think I'll go go against him too, and not because I don't think he's as good as advertised, but I have been keeping my eye on Al Loves Josie for a long time. He's run a lot of really good races recently. I have been waiting for him to be in the stakes for a long time in this spot um, specifically, and now I think it's time for him to shine. Last time out was kind of a Big statement win for him. It was in a tough third-level allowance optional climbing field. He had gone gate to wire two starts back, and I was kind of curious. Is he a neat lead type, or can he afford to set off the pace? He got a perfect stalking trip. Even though Xavier Perez lost the whip at the top of the stretch, he still drew off one by three and a half lengths. So he doesn't have to go to the front, and as you mentioned, there is a lot of speed in here, so he can and take off, and he might get the jump on, 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 on Eastern Bay, who... General George, notwithstanding, usually comes from a bit further off. And if Al loves Josie gets a two, three length head start on the far turn, he could take the lead and may prove too tough a catch. Dan, do you think Breezy Gust is fast enough to win this race? Uh, uh, he was the horse I was just going to mention because I think you guys handled the two top contenders very well. Breezy Gust's coming into this race off a couple of 90 buyers speed figures. And I really thought his last race was okay. Some folks may watch that video and say, how's Breezy Gust supposed to lose that race? He's got two and a half on the field at the eighth pole and he got run down. Well, 
He had to work a lot in the early part of that race. He was on a hard chase. He finally inhaled the pace setter. And then a good horse named Witty, who's a stakes horse coming off a long layoff, was able to run him down. I think Breezy Gus is going to take advantage of the fact that there are some speeds to his inside and sit just off. Is he good enough to beat Eastern Bay or Al Loves Josie? I don't know. I do know this. He'll be three times the price. All right. There you go. So right now, like, we could have a pretty skinny ticket. You, you could. Um, it's... It's state bread races, man. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes those. I was saying this about playing a, um, a pick five or a, a pick four in this race. Eastern Bay is 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 going to be such a low price. You almost have to single him or not use him at all. And in fact, I think Breezy Gust and or Al Loves Josie could be very um, could be very interesting singles. Okay, so there you go. So uh, now we're going to get into the Harris Need Johnson. Uh, this race was named for. Uh, African-American trainer, Harris Nee Johnson, a Maryland-based trainer who died in 1985 at the age of 45 in a plane crash. So there you go. There's your fun fact of the day. I don't know how fun it is to be dying in a plane crash. It didn't sound it's not, fun. not fun. Yeah, no, no. just a fact. Well, well, a fact that is more fun is he trained Gusty O'Shea, who, um, a Maryland Red winner of a 1973 hopeful, who debuted in a $5,000 mating claiming race at Shenandoah Downs that June. He had shipped up... Um, for the Sanford earlier in Saratoga, he kind of on a lark. In fact, I think Harrison tied his horse van to the back of his car, drove him up, had a bit of a hard time getting in because the guy at the gate didn't believe that he was a trainer. But he got in, he finished third in the Sanford, came back up um, the hopeful. And I think he was either the first or one of the first Maryland Reds ever to win a grade one because it was the first year of, grade, of the grade stake system. I want to know exactly how you knew that. Because you just well, I am the cause manager of Maryland horse breeders, so I have. <laughs> well, that is, I understand up, that, but that is like still a historical fact. <laughs> history on Maryland. That was pretty, pretty. I mean, that was a fun fact. That was a fun fact. That was a that's, fun fact. That's how it's done. Your fact, not, not fun. fun. John's fact, fun. <laughs> I agree. Right. That's exactly how it goes. This is a mile on the dirt uh, for a hundred thousand uh, dollars for four year olds and up. So, uh, Dan, we let you go first here. Well, there's going to be a short price favorite in here, and it's going to be Nimitz Class. He looks pretty logical on paper ever since they've stretched him out around a route of ground on dirt. He's unbeatable. I think he's three for three, and he's very versatile. He won from off the pace two starts back, and last time out, he got a great ride and trip. He just, Toledo realized there wasn't a lot of speed in the race, and he just went right after it dropped the anchor on the backstretch, slowed it up, and sprinted on home. And I usually don't love playing short-priced horses coming off perfect trips, but this horse really ran in the stretch, and he's just a consistent performer. You don't have to just base him off of that last race. If I was looking for a long shot in here, you might want to think about American Patrol, whose running lines look absolutely horrible, but I think you can excuse them. His, at least two of his last three are on wet tracks, and he can't stand up on a wet track. And I talked to Cal Lynch a couple of weeks ago about American Patrol, and he said in his last race, he stumbled bad at the start. He threw his shoe. He grabbed a quarter. A lot of excuses in that race. His fast track form is good. I think he'll be a good price. Whether he's sharp enough right now to beat Nimitz class, I'm not sure. Yeah, that speed figure, his last race in 2022, really stands out. Like you can you can look at those and it's like one of these is not like the other. So, yeah, uh, for sure. All right, John, what did you think here? I also think Nimitz Class is going to be hard to beat. There's two horses in in here I'm kind of interested in as an alternative. Number one, American Dioro. really likes his track. He's won three of his last six. In pretty impressive style, he was in great form last fall when he won back-to-back -back allowance optional claiming races in style. Went into a little bit of a lull over the um, 
most of when to bounce back with a gutsy win last time out where he ran down Zavokadabra, who had been in great form. He had a nice little winning streak in upper-level allowances. I think he's well-suited for a one-turn mile, and he should be running on late. And number three is a horse who has fascinated me for a long time. That's Hello Hot Rod, the younger half-brother of Hello Beautiful, who um, was a big stakes No relation to Hot Rod Charlie. Let's just be very clear no. right there. All no. right. Not a relationship. Outside of being thoroughbreds. Outside of being thoroughbreds, no. Um, hello, Hot Rod. He won Jimmy Wingfield at Aqueduct two years ago. Um, ever since then, he was sold not long after that, left Maryland, and has been campaigned in kind of a strange way. He, he was stretched out for a while. He was on grass. He was on synthetic. Couldn't quite get into a rhythm. Had a nice little run at Remington Park last year where he won two in a row and almost won his stakes there on – I think Springboard and Mild Day ended up coming in fourth. Recently returned to the Brittany Russell Barn in his first uh, local start in a while, going this one to a mile, and, and, and in fact led most of the way for retiring and, and finishing third behind American in Theora. He's got a start under the um, on the track under his belt. He's had some good workouts since then. I think he's well-suited for a one-turn mile based on that last race. And there's not... A ton of speed in here. There's some horses who, who, who do have speed, but it looks fast enough that he could outrun them early on. And if he gets the right kind of trip, maybe he'll get away. I don't know. But I think he's worth a look at a, a possibly decent price. So, Dan, Nimitz class, the only thing I look at here that, that gives me pause is the last three wins were at a mile or more, and they were over two turns. Does that give you pause at all going just the one turn? It does, especially when I've already talked to their connections and they say longer, the better, longer, the better, longer, the better. And if you look at his PPs, he's run weight races that are very good at seven furlongs. He's run races that are very good sprinting, but he's taken it to the next level going out to longer distances. Yeah. Um, the one turn mile, of course, at Laurel has the long stretch and maybe that'll help a horse that has a lot of stamina like Nimitz class. Uh, it's something to consider. Uh, Hello Hot Rod's an interesting horse simply because he just got cooked on a speed duel last time out on a very, very hot pace. He ran off and the pace might not be as fast here, but that's a good point about Nimitz class. Uh, and again, if you want to try to knock a favorite, you can find anything and you'll find odds somewhere else, obviously. Our nation on parade, none of us have mentioned him. Is there a chance that he's the one who jumps up here? And the funny thing is he's so consistent as yeah. he shows up every time. It seems like he hits the board. And I think he's at the board in his last eight starts. He won the Maryland Million Classic. Uh, he might have been compromised by the lack of pace in the race where Nimitz class was up close and he sat just off of it. I think when he won the Maryland Million Classic, John and I were thinking, boy, this horse is going to be a very important handicap horse in the local division. And it just hasn't. Right. Panned out. He's found one or two better in all of his other races. Uh, I won't be surprised if he finds one better, and I also wouldn't be surprised if Jamie Ness wins this. So, uh, also, I'll say this too. If you still believe he's burned up a lot of money in his last few starts, think this could finally be the day with, with all the money going on Nimitz class that he get a decent price. So I guess we'll see. So those, uh, you know, John was talking about the one horse and uh, two of those three wins have been, of course, at Laurel at the mile distance. It seems like when he goes above the miles when he's at trouble. However, two of those times he chose to go above were listed stakes races as well. So uh, we'll see if the if the class jump up bothers him or the uh, in the distances or the distance is just right. Um, OK, do you have anything else to add to that? On I don't. Race? Are you sure? I really actually enjoyed the discussion. OK, so, great. Yeah. Well, then we'll move on to race eight. No fun facts, but just good. No fun facts. Yeah, you know. Fun fact, you died in a plane crash. All right. Um, the uh, the Beyond the Wire is another mile race here, um, and it is a $100,000 race for Phillies. 
who are three years old. So um, this is kind of the Black Eyed Susan prep here. Yes. I, uh, we're, we're uh, no, this is the, um, don't say it, uh, the Weber City Miss. Right. Oh. Leading in to the Black Eyed Susan. We're still two months from that race. Remember, we're middle of March. Sure, but eventually. Of May. It is the prep. It's on the yeah. Black Eyed Susan trail. That's like saying the Rebel's not a derby prep. <laughs> it's not. The Rebel's not a derby prep? <laughs> it's an Arkansas derby prep. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Pharaoh's, let's pick those nits. Pharaoh's baby girl, Guile, or whatever. Guile? Um, yeah, so, I think that's a play on how they, how they talk. Is it? Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, Dan, who do you like in this race? <laughs> I'm uh, looking forward to either Cairo Sugar or Lady Lowry. I think both one of those two horses is going to fire. Cairo Sugar, you want to talk about a lottery ticket? Look at the price that they paid for this horse. And Six thousand dollars. Single one of the pedigree. This dam was a Grade One stakes winner. Spun Sugar. She was a mm. really nice horse. And I talked to the owners, and they said, I talked to the trainer earlier today, and she said these owners they go to the sales, they try to find well-bred horses that may have a little problem with the X-rays in the repository, and they can work their way through them, and that's exactly what happened with Cairo Sugar, especially a filly from this family for $9,000. Now she's a stakes winner. She's made out. A lot of things happened for her last time out against New York Reds. Uh, she threw a shoe in the paddock. A lot of fillies would freak out at that point, especially inexperienced ones. She handled it like a pro. Then she went out there, and she pulled off an upset. Connections feel that she doesn't need to get to the lead. I don't think she's getting to the lead because Brittany Russell saying the horse on the rail, Pharaoh's baby gal, is a need-the-lead type, a catch-me-if-you-can type, if you will. So Cairo Sugar is going to have to do it from off the pace. I think the pace will be fast, and Lady Lowry's the X factor coming up from Turfway Park. She's bred for dirt. She's by Munnings. The dam's a half-sister to Spitester, who won the Dwyer and is a very good stallion. This is the family of Dan Smartly that won the Breeders' Cup distaff. She looks like a big, strong filly that'll kick on in the stretch and will appreciate the extra distance. Have we seen many? Because, uh, John, I know you watch Turfway uh, probably as much as I do. We've seen a lot of success from Laurel Shippers to Turfway this year. Um, are we seeing success in the other direction? Do we have many examples of that? You know, I... I don't pay as much attention as as I like to Turfway, generally because because I put in an early pick four ticket and it gets knocked out by like six o'clock and I'm like screw this <laughs> and I, I move on. Um, that being said, as Dan noted, I think Lady Lowry is uh, going to have a great trip and I did really like really both of her starts at Turfway going six and a half. Made a nice move on the back of the pack on debut. Finished a solid second. Stalked the pace, stalked a very fast pace, I should know, uh, last time out and one going away, both with, with prisoner figures in that mid-80s range. Um, as Dan noted, I think both Pharaoh's Baby Guile and Kyle Sugar are going to go for the lead if both of them boot each other out. Lady Lowry is going to be the Also noting, Jack Gilligan, um, mm. he was named to ride in, in at least the early edition of the um, entries, and I think it would be quite notable if he did come over and ride. I also think Happy Clouds, number four, is an interesting long shot for Anthony Ferrer and Arnaldo Boca Chica, both of whom started off this meet with incredible um, success and have still kept it up as we begin to wind down um, the winter meet. One whose second start of the year and her first for the Ferrer Barn, pretty handily made a big sweeping wind move and one going away, albeit against softer rivals. Just missed in her last two starts. One of them, two. Tap and Josie, who came back to win a stakes at Parks um, last week and is at Aqueduct on on Saturday in another stakes, then just missed in a game effort 
last time out. She's also run three straight figures in the mid eighties. A mile is 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 a question mark. She has not been this far, and and, and last time and the only time she went seven furlongs at Churchill Downs um, last fall. She was well beaten. That being said, if she gets a distance, she's going to be in the mix late. I think. And getting back to your uh, your point about Churchill uh, shippers, I've noticed that they do very well in Maryland. Usually they're the horses coming from Churchill Downs or Keeneland that are claimed by top-notch Maryland horsemen and come in. The competition at Churchill, I guess, is just, and Keeneland, just much better than in Maryland. These horses make hay. Turfway, I generally loathe the horses that come from Turfway. I don't think they're very good, but this horse is just so lightly raced. Uh, she could be anything. Got it. Yeah, and like you mentioned, the breeding makes sense, right? It just does. And so these, this is the time of year when it's a third start and the horses are still figuring it out. And sometimes you have to look at that line as well. Um, I think Cats in the Timber is a wild card here, the two. And I, I can't quite figure this horse out because she goes from, you know, first start at Delaware, nowhere to be found, wins the second one, comes to Laurel, nowhere to be found, wins the next one. Is this in every other type? Or does she just need to get be on the track at a place, get, get a race under her legs? And then do that again. I think if I was playing a long shot here, the two cats in the timber, the other Brittany Russell would be my play. And I think that's what Brittany Russell is thinking. I think she needs racing to get better. She needs to obviously get a little bit faster, but she's so lightly raced. We see horses this time of the year that are inexperienced jump up five, ten speed figure points every single race. Her last race, she was beaten by, believe, by Pharaoh. The time she was beaten by Pharaoh's Baby Girl was a race where Pharaoh's Baby Girl just went right to the front couldn't have had an easier trip. And you yeah. can argue the Cats in the Timber was compromised by the way the race was run, and she came back and won her next start. So her confidence is sky high. She has the right running style for this race. And rare for a Brittany Russell horse, you're going to get a price. All right, well, we're going to move on to the Mono 16th private terms, $100,000 race. And this is actually kind of an interesting race because the winners either move on to uh, the Tessio, of course, pointing towards the Preakness, or some of them choose to go to the wood and maybe even like take a shot. And we've got a couple of Triple Crown nominated horses here uh, in this race. Um, the horse private terms himself actually ran the 1988 Kentucky Derby, lost to winning colors. Uh, I mean, and eight other horses, but... Um, uh, lots of good horses that finished ninth at the Kentucky Derby. There are a lot of yes, good horses. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and this uh, private terms won the wood, the Gotham, uh, the Tessio, the General George, a lot of really good races. Uh, and that's who this horse is, this race is named after. So there you go. So... Uh, that's a fun that's fact. That's actually fun fact. There you go. I did good. That was funner. More fun. More funner. More funner. All right. Um, did you like fun dip as a kid? Yeah, of course. Okay. I just want to know. What are we doing? I just want to know. You know. Did I like fun? Boys? Did you like hey, fun Louis, Did you enjoy pizza when you were a child? What are we doing? I mean, some people would have thought that was a little too much. I don't know. A little too tart. Uh, anyway, um, John Piazza. Duke, uh, pitching the shutout here. I know. And uh, this is an upset I picked in the bracket because I hate Duke. But yeah, it's 15 nothing right now. Whoa. So. Or Roberts, sure. not so uh, not so Roberts. No, that's not. This is not a fun fact for them. <laughs> fun, fact, fun fact: you haven't scored in eight game. minutes to start this game. Oh, there and, you go. I scored. Hey, all right, bad. don't call the comeback. Here it is. Right, okay, go. let's go. Who do we like here in the private terms, John? Let's start with you. Well, this is a very very tough race. A lot of 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 the attention I've seen before this race has gone toward Kenny McPeak's horse. Number six, Hayes Strike, seven to two on the morning line. He has been keeping some pretty nice class lines. He was second in the street sense, last fall behind two fills, third in the Kentucky Jockey Club. Missed the board in his last two starts. Again, though, generally against better horses. Um, that being said, Ed, he hasn't raced in almost two months, not since mid-January when he was well beaten at 
Tofoy Park. I don't think his figures are that much better than those of the others. And I think because of the Kenny, Kenny McPeak factor, he is um, going to be over bet. I think Coffee with Chris, one of four Maryland Reds in here, he's the big X factor because I've talked, I talked um, John Salzman about him right after he won the heft. And as I said on the previous show, I kind of nudged at him like, do you think he's a two-tune horse? And he said, no, like maybe he'll get a one-tune mile. And that was kind of borne out when he didn't nominate him for the triple crown. And then he won a one-tune mile. He won the Miracle Wood by a length and a quarter, just missed his career top first net speed figure. Looked pretty sharp against Prince of Jericho, who was not here. He's waiting for the Tessio. So we know Coffee with Chris can get a, a longer distance. I mean, it's a 16th of a mile, the outside post, you might get caught wide on the pace. So he might be a little bit up against it. Um, that being said, he's shown that he's, he's like this track. He's shown that he can fight on the lead. Um, maybe not, not well that wide, but he can fight. And I think he'll at least have to be considered in this spot. That being said, I ended up picking one of the other Maryland Reds that's circling the drain on top. I really liked his last start around two turns. First level allowance optical claiming race on President's Day. Yes, he was kind of supposed to win that start, but he did pull away pretty nicely. Nice stepping stone race. Second off a brief layoff. Ran a, a, a career top speed figure. He's shown good tactical speed, and I figure... If caught with Chris and feeling woozy, one of the other speed horses end up tiring, he's going to be e, e right there. And unlike caught with Chris, circling a drain is triple crown nominated. And if Prince of Jericho does go to Tessio, mm-hmm. I do wonder if Brittany Russell and the folks at Sycamore Hall are going to be inclined to perhaps take a shot in the wood or in a bluegrass. And maybe it's a Maryland Derby Dreams going. But don't put the cart before the horse. He still has to win on Saturday, and I think he has a good chance to do that. What says you, Dan? I think I think John made some really good points in that race. Uh, it's funny that Hayes strike. I talked to Kenny McPeak, and he's not convinced this horse isn't on the dirt, isn't off the Derby Trail yet. He feels that if this horse wins this race, he's saying bluegrass, and he's one of the two horses that Triple Crown nominated. And he says there were two excuses for the last race. Now maybe this is just trainer speak. A, he didn't like the poly track at all. B, the ship up from the fairgrounds was a disaster and this horse didn't handle it at all. And he said to me, in hindsight, we should have scratched the horse. His prior races on dirt are good. Uh, He's going to have to obviously step it up. In this race, you're looking who wants the distance. He's one of the horses in the race that wants the distance. John mentioned coffee with Chris. The distance is a big question mark for him. Uh, Talking to John Salzman this morning, he was very unhappy about this horse picking up six pounds, and he's even more unhappy about this horse breaking from the far outside post because Laurel Park, of course, has these wonderful nooks and crannies. The second uh, second wire going a one-turn mile with that interminable stretch. And then mile in a 16th races, you start right on the turn. So Mm -hmm. horses breaking from the far outside have a terrible, terrible disadvantage. This horse is going to have to be used to get position. Uh, I think circling the drain is a very logical contender at six to one. It's interesting that Brittany Russell's putting blinkers on off of a win. If it ain't broke, usually don't fix it. But if you watch the stretch run of that last race, he's one to five, and it looks like he's going to draw away and win by 10. And I just think he lost focus and Mm -hmm. started playing around on the lead. And I think the blinkers on are going to kind of get him to focus. At the prices on the morning line, I think he's the value. But there are other horses in here, obviously, horses like Register and How Great Is Nate. We haven't even talked about them yet, and they could obviously win. 
Yeah, I think how great is Nate is going to end up on top for me, the four horse here. Um, and, and they try him in the in the in the Gotham, and it's just too much. He doesn't like the surface, whatever it is. I don't hold it against horses when they don't like muddy surfaces uh, on Long Island. It doesn't seem to be something that all horses can handle. And so I, I don't hold it against week. them when they dump their riders and run away. That's also not good. Um, and so uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, kind of know, not a fun fact. Not a fun fact. Not fun. I'm getting the hang of it now. Yeah, I'm trying I'm to. Proud of you. Yeah. All right. So uh, the um, so I think I we love to draw lines for races in this in this uh, in this business. What stinks is he's not really second off the layoff, right? He didn't really get a good run in that day. Um, and so um, you know, I would have preferred uh, he not buck the jockey there and finish fifth or whatever it is um, in in uh, in, the, in that race in a legitimate way. But um, he is four for four otherwise. Um, and so I'm interested to see him back. Hopefully with more normal conditions, he'll be able to handle it. I think the four hole is very desirable because of all the things. Much more desirable than the two hole. Or the eight in this case. <laughs> okay. All right. Just want to be sure. I'll always situation. go there. I will right. always go there. Uh, and I agree about register. I, it's, it's interesting to watch horses post these kind of speed figures. But in his case, at least it's a progressive speed figure. It's gotten better every time that he's run. And you know, and, and, and I will say this too about, about register because yeah. – um, at, at, at Aqueduct, Andy Serling has his little track trend section on Naira's site where he posts yeah. about possible biases. And, and I went back and looked at the track trends for that day. And he said a track might have been, we all favoring that day. Mm. I'll, I'll have to see more evidence, but he said it could have been a real bias. Mm. And, and Bridgestone that day battled for the lead on the rail. So it's possible that the track helped him out that day. And I'm not so sure that he'll get to the rail and the lead here. Now, obviously, a track bias could develop here again. Obviously, feeling woozy could not go for the front, and he could get get another good trip. But 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 I would take that last race with a little bit of a grain of salt because sure. of that. Yeah, sure. No, but he did seem to like the extra distance, for example, right? And so we're talking about even more distance in this one. So I think he's absolutely a play. I, I did land on how great is Nate on top. I think circling the drain isn't include. I do worry about the eight hole with, with coffee with Chris because that horse does like to to come out of the gate and be part of the early action. And so it'll be interesting to see over, especially over two turns. There's something about uh, everything that John said, carrying the extra six pounds to it's just there's there's a lot to go against how great or excuse me, how um, coffee with Chris here that the list gets pretty long. Sure. That way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You talked me out of it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Fun fact, he's on the outside post. How about oh, yeah. I, and by the way, I don't say everything that comes in my brain, by the way. <laughs> like earlier, Dan said something about looking at a horse's peepees, and I was like, every time I do that, I feel inadequate. So, yeah. I don't remember saying that. But you, you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Words of Dan's yeah. No he did say that, but, you know. Rewind that one back. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to talk about the last race, but the two of you can because we have people listening. $8,000 claimer. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm protesting this race. However, I, um, I know we have people that listen to the show that would like to hear about the last race. Dan, there are two horses that are shorter than two to one in this race. Are they the favorites here? Oh, they're the horses to beat, no okay. doubt. Backstreet Affairs, a horse that has a good amount of speeds coming off of a game effort last time out. Uh, just a very logical horse on paper. Maybe Queen of Class will be a slightly better price off of the claim. I'm not going to be upset that they claim this horse 
for something like 16 and are now dropping it in for 10 or 12, five. And that doesn't bother me because they're actually stepping up in class from a non-winners of two life to a non-winners of three life. So to me, it's actually a logical move. If you watch this horse's last race, just cruising in behind horses on the turn, got a perfect rail seam, altered course, showed a lot of agility, got up despite drifting out late. They're the horses to beat. If you want a little bit of a nutty price horse, if you're saying, okay, well, I've singled a couple of chalks early on, I need a price, try diamonds and denim, breaking from the inside post with an apprentice rider so she gets a little bit of weight from some of these others. Uh, stretching out off Charlestown race in which he was rallying late, this is a horse that's going to show stretch out speed here. All right. Well, good enough. John, do you, have, do you have any horses By the way, here? I think that Backstreet Affair is way above queen of class uh, just like if, if anybody cares I think that's okay i disagree i i like queen of class quite a bit in here i like that she's coming off a win in a, a nine a two in cheap races like this i always lean toward horses who, who don't have too many losses or any losses at at this level in this case queen of class has great late pace for you i think backstreet affair and Diamond and Denim could go at each other on the lead and set it up nicely for Queen of Class to get the job done. And, and my kind of crazy long shot in here is number five, Notion Interrupters, 20 to 1 on the morning line. Um, for another new new apprentice jockey, Louis um, Herrera Jr., him and Axel Concepcion both Puerto Ricans. Both have been running well since joining a colony in mid-February. This one also has decent late pace figures. Ran a Solid for the level business figure of of sixty eight. Last time out, it takes a bit of a drop in class. I think she could suck up for the trifecta. There you go. All right, two so. two for thirty seven lifetime on that horse. Boom. They keep on trying, man. Boom. You don't all I got to do is come in third. All I got to do is come in third and uh, get paid in the try. So not nine for thirty seven and hitting the board. There listen, you go. Listen, that's two more horse races than I've won. That's not true. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys. Uh, before we let you go. Um, we get the news that 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 Arabian fella isn't going to be running <sighs> in the Derby. So, do we have a I'm clear so leader upset. in the Derby class right now, Dan, or do you think it's a little muddled? Well, Forte right now is is the far and away the head and shoulders the class of this field. Uh, the worry was, okay, was he going to progress from two to three? And he did he ran very well in the Fountain of Youth. Um, he deserves to be the favorite. Practical move in Southern California. Looks like he's a horse with a lot of uh, potential. He's got great trips in his last few races. And other than that, it's completely wide open, in my opinion. Uh, Instant Coffee is a horse that hasn't gotten a lot of uh, press because he hasn't run fast races, but all he seems to do is win down at the fairground. So I'll keep an eye on him. Uh, I wish it was a little bit more interesting up top. I wish there was a little bit more uh, competition up top. But right now it's Forte, and it looks like he's heading to the Bluegrass. Do you think Instant Coffee, I mean, barring a uh, uh... A rabbit, year, yeah. Well, yeah, with a, a rabbit getting in the race. You think Instant Coffee's style can win the Derby in a in a normal year? If he gets the right trip, uh, with with him, he's the kind of horse and any closer in the twenty horse field. It's all about getting the right pace set up, which you usually do in the Derby. Uh, but you also need to hit all the right holes, like Sonny Leon did last year with Rich Strike. Uh, closers are always going to be up against it. But that being said, if you have a speed horse, you could get burned out. The Derby is the Derby. Going into the first turn, you pretty much know where you are and what you got because you're either going to get smashed into the rail or you're going to have a clear run. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. There's somebody, someone's got to set a pace for a closer to come in, and we'll see if that's going to happen or not. Do you agree about Forte, John? Well, as I mentioned um, at the top of the show, um, 
thinking about Adobe Trail gives me a lot of agita. So I'm hoping that Forte just runs off the screen and makes you feel better. Um, and as Dan mentioned, Fountain of Youth was very impressive. Yes, with that kind of trip, he probably should have won else there would be a problem, but he did what he had to do. He looked very impressive at two. And if he wins a bluegrass like he is um, opposed to, he could be the biggest normal time derby favorite since point given. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and I think once in a while, horses run races like that in the Fountain of Youth, and we say, oh, he got the perfect trip. Sometimes they make their own trip, too. Right, like, that's the thing. Like, he could be that good that he gets himself out of trouble. he made the trip, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think what the funny story would be is if Practical Move wins. He was with Yachtine all along. He didn't right. get all the right. The thing, yeah. He's not the you know he, he didn't. He's not a pickup. He's actually right. a home homegrown. He's guy. a true Yachtine. Yeah, we yeah. mentioned that. We mentioned that last week. And Mike's, Mike's rooting for it. I'm now. actually <laughs> I'm actually wondering if like uh, he's like going to Arabian Nights owners. But like, you know what? I think y'all should sit this one out. <laughs> I've got a stud over here that I think has a chance. <laughs> You all just need to lay low. How, how yeah, give, give the little guy a break. It's, it's lovely. It's hey, great. you know what? I know the horse isn't really injured or anything right now, but he's just not training right. There's something off a little bit. Let's protect your investment. Let's sit out of the Kentucky Derby. By the way, we're going to let the Maryland guys go. We're going to talk a little bit of Oakland. We're going to talk about the Whitmore stakes. Dan, do you remember where Whitmore finished in the Kentucky Derby? You know, he knows this. He knows this. Come on. Where did Whitmore finish in the Kentucky Derby? I would assume. Finished dead last. That's right, John. That's right. He was he was a sprinter as as and the rest is history. The rest is history is correct. Yeah, that's it. I was there. All right. Yeah. Uh, Dan, tell everybody where they can find your stuff, and we'll ask the same question to John. DRF.com. You can check out all of my race previews and advances. Uh, and also a daily racing form YouTube channel, handicapping videos. All right, John. Find me personally at the off. Find I me. I was going to give his address out there for a second. Hey, I'm located at. <laughs> find personally, me, uh, personally. Yeah. Just knock on like every door in Baltimore County and eventually uh, uh, you'll get there. Um, <laughs> find me personally on at, at the off. Find me um, professionally at Maryland TB or the Maryland Red News. And if you're in the area, stop by the Maryland Horse Library and Education Center in Town. I can give you a tour. I, 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 um, I'll give you um, some stickers. I'll give you uh, one of the diet facts. More fun facts. In our fridge. I will uh, make it, um, try to make it a fun time for you. So come on out. Lots of fun facts if you do that. Tons of them. Yes. DRF uh, Dan Illman on Twitter. I don't know how I remember that off the top of my head, but there you go. Um, I talked to Marty McGee and Dan Illman in the last week and a half. That's way too much DRF. And Dan Issel. No. no oh, oh, DRF. DRF. Just, uh, just I thought you were just talking about yeah. celebrities. But one general. of them is like is like Kentucky, Florida DRF, and then you get East Coast elite. You know, Dan Illman uh, in this show. You know, so it's and when you're right, you're, when you're right, you're right, man. I, have to tell you, <laughs> I, I love. It. All right. Well, get him out of here. Son. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Appreciate it. Take care. Get him out for the Tessio. All right. So we're uh, going to, uh, you know, continue to watch basketball and talk horse racing. Yeah, I, I like these Maryland did, shows. Did you have uh, did you have a fun day today, by the way? Just out of curiosity. Like, how was no. your day? Was it a bad day? I've not had a good day. You know why he has not had a bad day? Talk about it. Now, I, had, I heard uh, Dan ask you today if you have a good computer. And I just wanted to. I'm holding paper. I know you are. It is the Lewis merch, but I agree with the. I agree with the producers. Louis has not had a good day today because he's had a little bit of computer trouble. A little. I got the blue screen. I had to drop my computer. The off blue to screen. Geek. Blue screen of death. You typically would be that global geek, wouldn't you? So. I'm not a geek. I'm a nerd. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Zach is a geek. I got you. All right. So at the end of the day, then, uh, what what kind of computer did you have? I have a Yoga, a Lenovo. A Lenovo. What'd yeah. you have? Oh, it's nice. No, it's nice. Um, and I, How old is it, though? It's it's perfect for Louis usage. Okay, so you're getting he, close to that age. He sits on the bed with his wife, and you know they flip it, and oh, then they can Whoa, watch hey, hey, oh, hey, whoa, hey. Whoa. That's why it's called the Yoga, because he can flip the computer. <laughs> whoa. This is where yoga pants. Yeah, your wife. I'm talking about your wife, not the, the, every day. Okay, yeah. They watch Netflix and chill. I was just that's how, that's under the age of 100. So yes, that, um, that's how he got all those viruses that turned his screen blue because he's from Chris Joga pants. You know what's funny? I don't do anything bad on that computer. No, I know you don't. On I that, don't. on that computer. No, no, well, in general, but I mean, like, but I don't do anything <laughs> on that computer at all. It's like, no, it's, it's totally frustrating. Thanks for bringing it up. Well, you didn't. Well, you actually didn't. Actually, because of that, didn't get to enjoy the party here today. Oh, <laughs> that much. That kind of sucks. I missed, I missed like three basketball. Oh yeah. No, yeah, no. it was it was free lunch. I'm, I'm literally there's there's people there's, there's marker on sheet <laughs> that I had to pay for <laughs> because my DRF log. Oh, 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 oh. oh man, that was that was worth it. <laughs> that was worth it. All right, let's. Uh, 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 does does Mister Zach have our race replays ready to go? Oh, there it is. Tabitha Trice winning the Tampa Bay Derby. Let's take a look. And then classic car wash starting to stoke the fires from fourth. A length and a half more back to Shesterkin. Tabitha Trice is trying to get going with Mikey Bananas on the outside. They're both on the move, but they're both very wide as they come to the top of the stretch. A scramble here. Dreaming of Coda down the outside. Prairie Hawk. Classic car wash continues to make up ground down the center of the track. Here comes that big gray Tappet Trice right down the outside. Tappet Trice trying to mow down classic car wash. Here comes Tappet Trice and Tappet Trice going to go on to win the Tampa Bay Derby. Classic Speaking car of Louis's love life, Tappet Trice wins the Tampa Bay Derby. Uh, now, Louis, the, this horse, the of course, gets the win, but this ride was heavily criticized, like or the trip by the horse was heavily criticized. People feeling like the horse showed some immaturity. That he's not ready to run. All of a sudden, at the end of the day, he got There's the job. He got the job done. What do you take from this? I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not on the maturity bandwagon in March. No, that's not what I'm doing. That's what Justify looked like in March. Okay. Except that he was out front and he was, was zigzagging back and forth at Santa Anita. I, no, I don't. I don't do that in March. That's a. That's an amateur thing to do right now. Okay. That is an amateur I, comment. I do want to say that. After I'm not saying it was my comment. I'm just saying you know it was all over Twitter that you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm no longer producer Zach. I am Zachy Bananas. <laughs> Zachy Bananas. Zachy Bananas. <laughs> all right, I like it. Uh, Tabatrice. Bananas. Tabatrice looking like he is going to go to the Bluegrass Stakes, uh, which is spelled as two separate words. Which I don't know if that's the way I would do it or not. But Bluegrass Stakes uh, is one word, in my estimation. Not Bluegrass Stakes, but Blue and Grass should be one word. Um, Continue. Okay. What do you I appreciate your comment? Do you think that uh Tabit Trice is a legit contain contender or pretender at this point? Because well, I think this is a great to get to the gate or to win the derby. Oh, I think he's gonna get to the gate, obviously, but to win. No. Not a contender, pretender. That again, we keep seeing these horses. Unless we're gonna have 16 closers in this freaking field, which it feels like. Yep. But the problem is we've got two that can be out front and are good. But that's a problem. But it's yeah, and I don't think and they can stay out front, and, right? And, and eventually in these hundred point races, we're gonna get second and third place horses that went out front and then fade, right? And they're so the stalkers are gonna have speed to run at, and then the, the closers aren't gonna have enough time. So this is gonna be a, we're this is a good show for us to just talk about where the derby field is right now because we are in this like little weird lull. One lull right here. Yep. Because um, next week is awesome. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, kind of awesome. It has Louisiana Derby and two other races that just don't matter. I like Louisiana Derby. I know. I like Louisiana Derby. I won't be here next week, though. So That's why it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mike, won't be Mike won't be here. Um, all right. So, Tappet Trice getting the win, going towards the bluegrass. I'm just going to call this episode Fun Facts. Fun facts. Yeah, there we go. Well, I mean, I don't name the episodes anymore. So whatever Zach wants to call it. All right. That's what we got out of that. So let's then talk about the, the races out at Oakland. Yeah. Our, uh, our handicapping segment brought to you by Green Sheet Racing. Um, and here we go. So we're going to start with a uh, – we're going to do – are we going to give the uh, – what are you giving out in the sheet this week, by the way? Uh, actually, my, my sequence is at Laurel. Okay. Yeah. No, I – so do you I want to talk about this allowance optional claimer in the, that's on the show sheet? No, I don't. Okay. Um, let's go straight to the Whitmore. But I, I do um, I do want to point out at Oaklawn, all of the takeout rates are high except for the pick five. Oh. So the pick five is playable. As far as takeout rate. Okay. But the sequence to me is muddy, and I don't want to give out like $248 tickets or $288 tickets. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then we'll go straight. I don't think that's what our smoking horse in the sheet is for. Yeah. 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 Uh, we, we mentioned Whitmore, and I think, you know, again, Whitmore was a horse that did finish dead last in the Derby, but this is one of those things where we talk about these three-year-olds kind of go on this triple count trail, and then they just kind of figure out, like, really where they're supposed to go. And, of course, Whitmore was this amazing sprinter, uh, had an amazing career, won the Breeders' Cup uh, at a race. We were at that Breeders' Cup that he won. Uh, that was the Keeneland uh, uh, COVID one. Yeah, which yeah. was, like, which was awesome. I thought it was a great – I mean, both Breeders' oh, Cups I've been in. Because of the wind? Because we could no, because we could walk around. And oh like yeah, not run into everyone. I kind of liked day. having our little tailgate tent, though. Honestly, um, yeah. If we didn't have to sit on the edges of it to make sure it didn't fly. Away, that's true. That is true. Picking you off the ground. Yeah. Though you're the same, the same weight as a Ford Explorer. Keep going. Holy cow, that's needless besmirchment right there, Zach. <laughs> where is where is the little screen no, thing? Because I want to be clear that oh, I Zach can't hear you. Had to sit on the tent. I was the one who had to sit on the tent. <laughs> that's true. Well, I sat on the yeah. I sat on the tent too. <laughs> All right, so this is this is a grade three sprint, six furlongs on the dirt for four-year-olds and up, uh, $200,000 race. Who do we like in the Whitmore? A lot of people. Um, All right. And I think there are three pretty likely winners. There's a horse named after you here, Spankster. Um, <laughs> but uh, Tejano Twist is in this race. Last four races has been really good, either first or second. Uh, last four times out, all the buyers in the 90s. Really, really consistent horse. Keeps Lasix here. Has run with 124 and one. Last time out, lost to Gunite. In the King Cotton, really, really fast good? race, but it was in the slot. Okay, it is not going to be wet this weekend uh, in uh, in Hot Springs, and so we'll be good to go that way. Uh, three for seven lifetime at the distance has never missed the board at the distance. Has a ninety-nine speed figure at the distance, and so this horse to me, who's one for two, that other uh, race was the second place finish behind Gunite. So to me, not holding it against the Tejano Twist, the obvious favorite here to me, Chris Hartman and Francisco Arrieta. The cool thing here, I think this would be Chris Hartman's first graded stakes win. Oh, so good luck to Chris. I actually, those kinds of things I actually do root for in, um, uh, in horse racing. I do want to say there is a Mike Gandolfo angle to this race. There's a Are horse thing that our Star Wars character. Francisco Arrieta is riding the two Tejano twist. He rode edge to edge in his last two wins. He also rode Tejano twist in his last two races. Oh, he's on Tejano twist and the off two, of edge, edge. On edge to edge. There you go. That's the Mike Gandolfo angle would say to single the two here. Okay. Nick Juarez is on the four edge to edge for Chris Hartman. So he's got two in here. He has the only two back to back 100 buyers in this race. He's the four horse here comes in three for 10 lifetime at Oakland five for 18 at the distance. Five-year-old horse still intact. Uh, son of competitive edge. They've him for five grand. He's made over $377,000. 
Flash of Mischief on the outside is an interesting horse because he's in every other type, and this is the every other. Um, ran in that uh, King Cotton, didn't win. Before that, won the um, the Ring Bell, which is a black type, in uh, in December. Before that, ran at King Keeneland in something called the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Um, that's a grade one race. The Breeders' Cup Sprint that is? They, that they run in the fall. Oh, like, I, like okay. Like November. All right, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, before that, won a listed stakes. Before that, ran in a listed stakes, didn't win. Before that, won a race at the optional climbing level. So seems to be in every other type. Guess which this race is? Every other. So to me, three for six, <laughs> light time at the distance. Guess what? That's because he's in every other type. I think he's the horse to play here. Seven, two, and four. I'm trying to remember what this race was called before it was called the Whitmore Stakes. It's called like the Oakland, the Oakland Sprint. But Whitmore won this race three times and came in second once. So uh, and Whitmore also 10 years old. I'm actually seven, nine, two, and four. Sorry, I'm on paper right now. So I have to you know, do Can't, that. Where's your computer? Cogburn's in this race. And I just wanted to say Cogburn. Hey, Louie, do you think, or uh, Zach, do you think Louie can actually break skin with that, uh, with that highlighter? Like, can he puncture my skin with the highlighter if I keep on pushing his buttons? Just make you. Is that what it is? All right. Hey, no one's mentioned. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because this show is beautiful. This jacket, man. The show is already ridiculous. So anything that we do, no one's surprised. Okay. They know what they're getting into. Like Dan Hillman shows up every month. I have no idea why. I think he likes us. He's a coastal elite. He should be on the show. Maybe. Okay. All right. Uh, Race nine, the grade three Essex handicap. I do know that uh, you're really excited about this. It's a mile 60 in the dirt. Um, And we've got some really good names that people are going to recognize in this race. Half a million dollars here. So who do we like? Who do we like in this one? Uh, Lots of horses people are going to recognize. Silver Prospectors and here rated our superstar. Call me fast. Classic Causeway, of course, last year, grade one winner. The Classic Causeway, though, when's the last time he's ran on dirt? So it's been a while, right? He was supposed to run in Tampa. On the Tampa Bay Derby card, they scratched out to run in this race. Okay. So whatever that's worth. His last run on dirt was actually back on uh, June 25th in the Ohio Derby, which he won. Yep. So on fast dirt, he's two for seven lifetime. On wet dirt, he's one for one. Then he moved to turf and he won a grade one in the Belmont. Yep, I remember that. Uh, going out front with Julian Leperu. Frankly, probably Leperu's best ride last year. He, he timed it so well. Necker Island's in this race. Call Me Fast is in this race. Force of Dioro, Tawny Port, Keystone Field, Last Samurai. I landed on Last Samurai on top here, even though he's out on the outside. 97, 97, 105, most recent. And that 105 was at Oakland over this course at one, Adam Island 16th. Going to trust that that form is still there. Wayne Lucas, man, I, whatever's going on right now, I mean, just get out of the way. I'm, I'm a fan. I think he's got it going. Um, and then I think you do have to look at Force of Dioro. He's coming out of the Louisiana grade three. It's Brad Cox. They're shipping him up. Finished third, but by half a length behind a happy American. All happy Americans done in his last two races is win a grade three and then win a listed stakes before that. And so I think he's running really well. And I think Force of the Oro should show up with a good race as well. I don't know what to do with Vittorio, who's in this race. Ran a hundred buyer last time. Is out of the Bill Mott barn. We've watched Bill Mott, of course, have a really great month at Gulfstream Park. Second off the layoff for Bill Mott is a massive number at 23%. He wins 26% of his graded stakes. So it's not like he puts horses in bad spots. I just, I don't know what to make of this horse because he's coming out of the optional claimer level. So sometimes, and you know this, sometimes that first step into the graded company for some reason for horses, it's just too much. It's a little bit, yeah, it's yeah, a big it's step. a little too much. I'm, I'm guessing that's what happens here. It's a little bit too much for Martin Garcia and the connections there. Um, he and Bill Mott owe for their last six, by the way. And so maybe... You know, I mean, frankly, in a half million dollar race, you know, if you're getting, I mean, if you're if you're getting a check at second or third place, I mean, that's a nice. So good, right? yeah, so nice. Really good. Then your 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 graded stakes placed. 
right? And, and you know, he hit the board there uh, with Vittorio, who's still an intact son of Ghost Zapper. And so um, I, I think they're just trying to get him on the board. So I would go 10 and 7 here. I think the favorites are the likeliest. I, I am interested to see Tawny Ford here because we both know that's a horse with a ton of ability. Sure. A ton of ability, but has not put it together in the way that we thought. Four for 10 lifetime hasn't won um, since the Ohio Derby. Actually, that race that we mentioned. Um, with, oh, I thought Classic Causeway. Oh, he was in, oh, he beat Classic Causeway last Okay, season. sorry. Yeah. yeah. And um, gosh, so when did Classic Causeway last win? Um, a freaking, it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, Classic Causeway won the Belmont Derby first asking. That's a that's an understandable race, mistake, by the way. The last time. Yeah. I, I yeah. The yeah, right. I got you. Um, but uh, so, I mean, I, Tawny Port with Rafa Bejarano, who's actually having a very good meet at Oakland. I'm, I'm happy for him because he stayed at Turfway last year, decided to go to Arkansas this year. Um, and that's a big – if people don't know, Rafa was out in California for years, won three uh, riding titles in Southern California, and decided to move to Kentucky so his family could have a single spot on the east side of Louisville here. And was riding at Ellis, was riding at Churchill, was riding at Keeneland, was riding at Turfway just to keep his family here, and made the decision to make the jump to Oakland. And all he's done is win at 17%. And um, – and I mean, he's hitting the board at an unbelievable rate. Um, 240 runs, 48 wins, 54 places, and 35 shows. He's getting it done. And he's getting it done. He's getting, um, he's picking up, excuse me, that is not the right guy. Oh. Rafa's still hitting 38, Listen, 34, and 32. With two if you had your on. computer, you'd be able to get all this stuff You're right. Not, not, not. All right. Um, uh, but uh, he's having an incredible meet. He's hitting the board like crazy. And so I'm happy for Rafa. He's a very good guy. Um, became a jockey, Zach, because he was living in Peru. He was on his way to basketball camp. And his dad got lost, and they ended up at the track. And they said, "Hey, you're short. You want to be a jockey?" Legit, legit that's conversation we had. That's his story. Was we unbelievable? Had, and that's from his mouth. Like we had that conversation. Right. You we know. met his mother, who was stuck in the United States because of COVID. And we talked about we eating. We yeah. talked about eating guinea pigs, right? Oh, so. delicious. Oh, gross. You're wrong about that. I don't know. I'd eat a guinea pig, I guess. Yeah. Just I know how he feels. Louis tried to sell me off to a, a horse racing barn when we were there for the Derby. Okay. He's like, Zach is short. He could be a jockey. Um, <laughs> uh, the Whitmore was the Hot Springs purse until 1986. Then it was the Hot Springs stakes until 2021. Yeah, okay. Would you like to get in some Hot Springs? Would you ever get in Hot Springs? 100%. I have been I would in like Hot it. Springs. Yeah. Yeah. Is it worth it? It's amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's I want, let's, we got to go We got to go to Hot Springs and get in the Hot Springs. Let's, let's yeah. do it. I'm all about it. You know? All Under an hour, Sherva. How about that? Get it. My second favorite, John in Los Angeles. Times. So by the way, when I walked in, you were wondering what I was doing because I was on the phone. Yes. And I'm very rarely on the phone. Uh, I wouldn't say rarely, but okay. Really? Lies. You're on the phone quite a bit. Always on the phone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. am I? Yeah, you're on the phone quite a bit. Oh, good for me. And um, it was Ron Flatter, our friend from Horse Racing Nation. I like Ron. Had called to check in on me. One of those, He called like, and checked on you? Yeah. What, he doesn't check on me? No. He's got my number. <laughs> Ron. I agree with everything you're saying. Right? I'm doing okay. I guess he, there's. I guess he knows I'm stable. So I found out John found a new hotel because they demolished the one he used to stay at. So I found out some interesting news on that, by the way. Okay. So Sherba, if you're listening, they're they're not getting rid of the El Nopal. It is actually going to be the El Nopal that you love so much is going to be in the new construction build that they're putting up there. So you can you might want to stay at that Candlewood Suites and then you know head over to the El Nopal. Well, local fact. How yeah, that? that actually, I talked to the uh, lead engineer on the project. How about that? So it's going to lead engineer on that. The project. El Nopal is gonna ha- is gonna stay. Yeah, I, I don't know. The best food we had in the Louisville, Lexington area was that little bu- that little place we and went to. Yeah. Family owned. Yeah, 
so good back alley it's total back alley. it's so good and the it's and, and it's a family restaurant like it's, it's like the the, the like son the daughter the grandpa are, are, are cooking and then the, the grandkids are out serving tables for sure and i said it was something racist that they didn't take racist so i appreciate it so i was like bring me the salsa that you don't serve to white people and they brought us that salsa. i don't know that that's racist no I, so i, I had listen. this conversation in bloomington so actually zach can, can i was literally zach about to say the bloomington story <laughs> go and, and there was a place called um isan thai Yep. <laughs> and they had a spice menu. And you had to sit down and tell them, like, no, I actually want this to be spicy, yep. please. Because they wouldn't do it otherwise. They would just, they would, uh, they would white claw up your, your food. I mean, they just would. And so, no, I'm, I'm go the, ahead. The, the server said to us, and I quote, are you sure the two of you like spicy things? It doesn't <laughs> seem like it would be culturally what right. you would want. Right. Have you, we're, have you, we're certain. We're certain. Uh, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is like, and by the way, their food was very too. good. It's not even that. It's just like um, you just had to you had to make sure that they you they like no no. I want to blow my nose every bite that I have of this food. Yeah, right. yes. Have you ever seen the scene in Ted Lasso when he with the Indian food? It's kind of like yes. that, I guess. Yeah, yes. I've make never it, watched Ted Lasso. Would I like it? Oh my god, man! It is the no, Zach. Would I actually like it? I'm not. I'm not. You might not like it. I don't know. But to me, it is the greatest sick. And this is not an overstatement. Whoa. The greatest sitcom ever made. Oof. I've watched Better than early Simpsons. Both of them. I don't, I'm not a big Simpsons fan. Better than Seinfeld. I really I like Cheers. Che better than Cheers. It's better than Cheers. Ooh, okay. Wow. Wow. I, a, I, okay. So I will say this: as someone who loves soccer, yeah, right. Which I don't. Soccer his whole life. I understand, but I'm talking about me. Ted Lasso scratches an itch that I didn't know I had for my yeah. whole life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That okay. That being said, I think Louis, you would find it funny. But you would also be like, I get it for other people. I don't get why it needs to be this big. It's like I get I that some people would, would find this funny. It built up but so much I would watch it. Very, it, very it, fair. It, it, it had there been no pub, it'd be like an A minus show for me. But instead, it'd be a B minus show because everyone talked. Well, about I think for me too, you know, yeah. from the coach's aspect, since you know yeah. being the coach, and there's so much of the like the coach wisdom in there, and they and they actually tackle some pretty big issues, especially when it comes to mental health. Apple TV is killing it with the mental health angle on these shows with shrinking is amazing as well oh yeah uh, so that show i think louis would love yeah <laughs> if you haven't you, seen shrinking shrinking's really good um harrison ford no i mean everyone's i think everyone's got mental you. health issues harrison ford plays you but 75 <laughs> and a psychologist by the way and it could be as good of a role as harrison ford's ever played i mean i think he is masterful oh, yeah. in that and, role and uh actually didn't the, Virginia. What's his name? Jason. Uh, yeah. Jason. Uh, uh, no, Siegel. Siegel plays me. <laughs> if I was a psychologist working for you. Got it. Oh, yeah. So it's uh it's, it's a, uh, it's, they're killing it. They're, I haven't seen the first episode of season three yet because my wife wants to watch it with me and we just haven't like had the chance to. So you're trying to get us platformed on Apple TV plus. I would love to be on Apple yeah, TV yeah. Plus. I'm an Apple TV. I'm listen, <laughs> and I'm just ready for Zach to finally That's get an, really an iPhone. That's actually service too, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's not like bad. Five, six bucks a month, right? And they and and they don't put out the quantity of, of content as these other places do, but they're usually it's pretty quality stuff. So um, I don't know yes. about that. They put My out sequence. a lot of qu a quantity. My yeah, sequence yeah. is in. It's not like Netflix though. Like I mean, they don't put out that. Like they don't put out that kind of quantity. Yeah, Netflix. Netflix, Netflix has a back catalog. Like give it give it two more years and I'm betting they'll have just as much 
real okay. content as Netflix does. Also, Apple TV is never going to be um, international. We buy these shows up from India right. and China and stuff like that and get them translated into English to put them on our platform. Apple TV is always going to be a boutique, you know, where they make their own stuff. And then, of course, you've heard me say it before, but the Netflix comedy that you would really like is Dairy Girls, if you yeah. ever get a chance to watch that. Dairy Girls is really, really, really <laughs> funny. I said to myself, Colm, all right. I know Louie would get it. I don't know if he would get past episode three. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me with the Catholic schoolgirl uh, angle? I don't you know don't... that he'd get, he would be like, this is great. It's hilarious. I'm never going to watch another episode, Zach. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, right, yeah, yeah. I love how they treat the, the, the male <laughs> cousin. <laughs> Yes, it is James. amazing. Uh, it is amazing. Yeah. All right. Th- that's enough. We were under an hour until we By started talking. Laurel sequences in the sheet this weekend, greensheetracing.com, or in your local store in lots of our markets. Uh, Kenny Smith w- rocking the turtleneck. I don't know. If, you know, Do you like the turtleneck and jacket yeah, he look? He can do whatever he wants because he's Kenny freaking. I, well, I like that Kenny Smith is wearing the turtleneck with the jacket, and Barkley <laughs> has got the I'm a banker <laughs> vest going on. Or... Um, or, Barkley's uh, lost weight, man. He looks like a defense attorney, actually. He does look like a defense attorney. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> how, how, how you can come after my clown, I never understand. I will tell you what. If <laughs> if Charles Barkley got a guest spot on Law & Order as an attorney with Ice-T, it would be phenomenal. It's must must watch really TV. Looks like a defense attorney. <laughs> All right, we're out of here. Yeah, pay the tab, get out of here. You, uh, this has been a weird episode of the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Thanks, Dan Elman. Closing time. Open all the doors and.